In my church, we believe that everyone should hear the gospel in their own language. That's a weird way to start a podcast about education, right? Well, there's a point, and I'll get to it in a second. Jester, if somebody told me like 12 years ago I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I would have told them they were crazy. So you just never know. You take a chance, you go somewhere, and you never know what's going to happen. That's Brett Weiss, founder of the Weiss Scholarship Foundation. He's a former teacher in Chicago, and he got an opportunity to go to Africa. What he saw there inspired him to make a change, not just to his own life, but to help others there in Kenya. I made a volunteer trip to Kenya in 2009. It was a bucket list kind of thing. Spent about three weeks in this little village called Dago in southwestern Kenya and had no idea that I would fall in love with the people. And these people are as poor as anybody on earth. No electricity, no plumbing, live in little mud huts, all those kinds of things, barely any food or clothes. Um, and most children quit school about fourth grade because the government doesn't pay for high school at all. So they figure, why go to school at all? I'll just quit and try to go out and work. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Today's episode is a little different than most. I'm trying something new. So let's talk about Africa. You and I probably grew up watching the same ads on TV talking about sponsoring a child in Africa. Many of us have not actually seen or interacted with those who have experienced the challenges there. Well, this brings me to why I brought up the church thing at the beginning. When I moved here to Spokane, I learned that there's a large contingent of people from Africa who speak Swahili. And like I mentioned, we believe that the gospel should be preached in your native language. So many of these refugees are from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, some from Kenya, some from Rwanda, some from Burundi. And I've learned a lot from their experiences, but there's still a lot that I don't know. It's just a glimpse. For example, one man named Moses has shared some of his story with us, and it's really amazing and inspiring. Moses shared how they determine when a child is ready for school. So the students walk for miles to school, and when they get there, on the first day, the head teacher asks them if they are ready to go to school. And the way they demonstrate they are ready to go to school is that they take their right hand over their head and touch their left ear. And if they can touch their left ear, then they are ready to go to school. If they can't touch their left ear, then they need to walk back home and try again the following year. Isn't that wild? Moses also emphasized how important family is to them and said that parents are willing to do anything to help their kids have a better life. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We share the same values. Pretty much all parents want their kids to have a better life than they did growing up. So Brett, who I'm interviewing for this episode, also introduced me to one of his scholarship winners, Nicholas Okella, who is in Kenya and from a little town called Dago. He also reiterated his love for his family despite the challenges they face. Okay, my mom, my dad, uh, I can't say um, those are the best parents someone could ever get, you know, despite all the hardships and um, the, the, the staff back at home, you know, these guys, they managed to instill self-discipline, and respect into all of us. I mean, the wonderful parents, you know, despite all this, they make us happy. 
Nicholas understands how important it is to have good parents. He also adds, My motivation is my family and our village. Where I come from means a lot to me. And if education is the tool that can make me change that, absolutely go for it. When I look back to where I come from, anyone who does a look, who does take a look at that place, you would want to make a change. You see, Brett came over, so where we come from, he wanted to make a change, he gave us education. So when we take a look at that place ourselves, we also want to make a change. We also want to make the people there better. We also want to make a better place for our siblings, our children, our parents. That's what pushes me further. I want to make a change from where I come from. You go back home, you find a mom and a dad, you know. It's just lively having them, and I'm so grateful for them, so grateful for God for making me have such wonderful parents, and um, it, it's just awesome, yeah, you know, despite all this. And despite all this, what does that even mean? Well, life in Dago, Kenya, where Brett visited and where he focuses most of his work, doesn't have a lot of industry. The future is bleak for those who don't have an education. Back in my village, they say, if you don't study, if you don't go to school, probably you'll be back in the village farming or maybe taking care of the cattle, the, the herd. It's, th- th- there's no job without school over here. It's either you go to school, find yourself something to do, or you don't and sit back in the village. What Nicholas is describing is what Brett saw when he was there. There was no opportunity without education, but he knew he needed to do something to help. I asked him how he thought he could help. I guess the, the most honest answer to your question is, I didn't know if I could help. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where if I waited be, to know that I could help them, I never would have done anything. It was just more like, I got to do something. I remember when I landed back in Chicago, it was like, I got to do something to help these people. You've probably had similar experience of wanting to help someone, but not knowing what to do. And we could probably do whole podcasts just about that. That's totally natural. Brett knew that education was important. So he started, started a scholarship fund to help them get into high school. In 2011, I came up with this crazy idea. Let's start a scholarship fund. Try to send kids to high school because almost nobody from this village had ever gone to high school. And that's really true for most of Kenya. So in 2012, we awarded our first scholarship. And then I said, well, okay, let's try to raise some more money. We'll send some more kids to to school. And to date, we've awarded 79 scholarships. And basically the way we do it is we send them to high school and then from there, based on the tests they take at the end of high school, they either get to university, and we've had nine students make it to university, and very excited about that. And then the rest, we help get into vocational school. So we have young people learning to be carpenters and plumbers and tailoring and, you know, those kinds of things where they can have a good job and, and make a good living. And uh, that's how we really got the whole thing going. To Brett, it was important for as many people as possible to have an opportunity. To us Americans, where education is free up through high school, it's crazy that someone would have to pay for high school. I'm sure this is how some European countries feel about us as Americans and our college education. 
they go to high school for four years. They're all at boarding schools. We have kids at a variety of different boarding schools because generally the, they go to a government school and the government assigns them to high school. We don't get to decide that. Now, the last couple of years, we have started sending kids to private schools, which, to be frank, are a whole lot better and we don't have to pay any more. But we have kids in many, many different high schools. And then at the end of high school, they take an exam. It's kind of like an ACT, SAT exam would be in our country. And if they, they have to score very high to get to university. If they do that, fine. If not, we get them into a vocational school. Brett noticed something else. Girls have it a lot harder over in Africa. They face many challenges that we aren't even going to go into on this podcast. But Brett wanted to make sure they had an equal chance as well. At the end of eighth grade, their placement into high schools is determined by a test they take. And the girls tend to score about 20% lower than the boys, not because they're not as smart. They just have missed a whole lot of school for reasons that are totally beyond their control. So they don't score as well. Uh, so we, we insist on 50-50 girls and boys. As a matter of fact, of all of scholarships we've given, if we just did it based on test scores, only six girls would have gone. And that would be a shame because we really can't end poverty without girls getting an education. And there's all kinds of research. We know if we give a girl a chance, she'll do just as well, if not better than the boys. But if she doesn't get the chance, that's never going to happen. So we want to make sure we give all of them a chance or as many as possible. Brett has helped serve a bunch of students with an amazing opportunity. And it's not just about enrolling in a high school close to their home. It's a boarding school and very different from what they are used to. Now, the high school, by our standards, is still very poor. But you have to put in perspective where they grew up. They grew up with no electricity or plumbing, a tiny mud hut. This uh, A community like this has been devastated by AIDS. Very few of these kids have both parents are alive. Many don't have either. They're generally only getting one meal a day. They have a school uniform and something else that's tattered and torn that came in a box from a charity somewhere. So they're living about as poor as can be. When we send them to high school, they're living in, in a dorm there that is kind of like what we would call an army barrack. It's not the nicest thing in the world, but it is significantly better than living in the mud hut where they're sleeping on a dirt floor. Uh, they're getting three good meals a day. We buy them several sets of uniforms, so they're looking very sharp. You know, they have all the books and resources that they need. We make sure they have everything that they need to, to be successful. They have electricity. They have plumbing. So they're seeing internet. They're seeing TV. The whole world is opened up to them. Back in the village of Dago, it would make sense for someone to give up hope. And many kids do give up hope. Everyone has hope, but it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough back there. Those guys who didn't get the scholarship, well, some, a little, a little percentage managed to go to high school, but they went to the day schools, the, the day high schools back at home. You know, the quality of education offered in those schools and the ones that compared to other schools that are in better places like the one I went to, I can say there's a big difference. And um, it's not easy. It's not easy when, when you can't afford school fees back at home and, you know, um, you want to go to school, but there's no way you can do that. It's pretty tough. I asked Brett to share one of the stories that was really powerful and describe what this really means to kids who get in the scholarship. He shared the story of Christina. 
Her name is Christina Koth. Uh, there's three levels of high schools in Kenya. There's a lower level they call day schools. We don't send any kids there. They aren't very good. All of our kids have traditionally gone to this mid-level school that they call county schools. There's a higher level called national schools. Up until Christine, it was my understanding uh, bribery is really big in a thing like Kenya. Obviously, we stay away from that. But it was my understanding the only kids who got to go to national schools were children of politicians and people who could pay the bribes to get them in there. Well, Christine, I mentioned that the girls tend not to score as well on the exams as the boys. Well, Christine had the highest score ever, boy or girl, by far. And she got accepted to a national school called Alliance Girls High School in Nairobi, which oh, that's when I knew that, yes, even one of our kids could go there. So here's what's cool is she was a big fish in a, a small pond in her village of Dago. When she got to Alliance Girls School now with the brightest girls from all around the country, she was in the bottom 20% based on her test score. So while she was like the star in Dago, she was in the bottom at that school. After three years in her scores from her report cards, she's in the top 25%. So she has gone from the bottom 20% to the top 25%, which so tells us she has excelled beyond our dreams. And matter of fact, we've always had a bucket list thing about wanting to get one of our students to a university in the United States. And I'm actually in the middle of conversations with several universities here in the Chicago area. We're going to try to get her to one of those schools here because that's my bucket list thing. Want to get get one of our students here and then hopefully more down the road. So, so she's, we're just, we, we couldn't be more thrilled for what she has done. Now, we're all aware that there are some scams and other people trying to swindle money from us. I asked Brett and one of his donors, Jill, about that. Jill said that one thing that made her more comfortable was the fact that Brett is connected to a Rotary Club. Rotary is a service organization with chapters all over the world. It's a great way to find service opportunities, but also a great way to see the work that's actually happening. Jill said that one of the ways she was able to verify this scholarship was legitimate was by connecting with Rotarians in Africa. I asked Brett how someone could know that he wasn't scamming people for money. He said one way to know what's happening is by sending report cards to the donors. This is what they do every year. Another way is to know to know that it's real is that the kids talk to and exchange letters, but because of COVID, it's been even better than just sending letters. So many of our donors have exchanged letters with the kids and the kids write back. Um, the, the, our donors get copies of all of their applications. There's an application process they go through. So now in the COVID world, as we're all Zooming now, one thing that I never anticipated is Zoom works really well in Kenya. And so we have done two of these so far, but they've been so successful. I want to start a lot more where we've had me, one of our donors and the child that they sponsor in Kenya, the three of us communicating in a Zoom call. And it was, it blew me away. I just kind of sat back and watched them talk. And it makes me want to do a lot more of those there because Zoom is working so well. It's still important to do your research and make sure that the charities you're dealing with are legitimate. You need to look for records of good doing and see that charities are following procedures to make sure they are doing the work they should be doing and Brett shares your skepticism. One of the reasons I started this is because I was very skeptical of some charities who did work in, in Africa. And I wanted to start this on my own, that I would know every penny is going to these kids. 
So, but also, what do we do? We are we are registered with the IRS. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. That paperwork is available on our website. It's also available in many other places where databases where that's available. You know, we do we we file our tax returns every year with our state of Illinois and the federal government. Those documents are available on their website. There are three different agencies. I'm in Illinois, so we have to be registered with three different departments of the state of Illinois. We are registered with them. All of those documents are available on our website. You know, also from our website, there's all kinds of pictures and videos of the kids in Kenya, of me and my board members talking to them because some of my board members have also gone. Um, So we're very open about all of this and we encourage people to ask questions. And and be skeptical. That's fine. Be skeptical. Um, we we're very proud of what we're doing, and we encourage people to check us out. Let's close with talking to Nicholas some more. He's moved beyond high school and is now attending university in Kenya. Let's close with talking to Nicholas some more. He's moved beyond high school and is now attending university in Kenya. The scholarship enabled me to attend high school. Yeah. So I went to a local high school that was St. Pius Rudy High School, where I managed to take my four years and finally graduated from my school. And that opened my ways to attend a university for my degrees, which I'm almost um, finishing right now. He has career opportunities beyond farming and herding cattle. For some, even that is not possible. For him, he's actually doing a pretty cool internship right now. He'll be working on using maps to identify when droughts will hit and how that will impact farmers. You know, um, with the climate change, global warming, uh, things are changing pretty fast. The seasons over here are changing. You know, previously we used to check on the April rains that will predict our planting season. And then before the August rains, that will be our harvesting season. But that changes due to uh, global warming. So we are going to make something that's going to tell our farmers when's the right time to plant your crops so that we maximize our harvest and enhance food production in this country. So um, I'll be working on that. Nicholas is a humble young man, and it actually took us a bit of time to draw that out of him. He's making a real impact on his country and his community using his education to help him do that. This is the power in what Brett is doing with the Weiss Scholarship Foundation. Here's Brett inviting you to get involved as well. Well, I just encourage them to go to the website where there's lots of pictures, there's links. We have a ton of uh, videos on our YouTube channel, Weiss Scholarship Foundation, with me and our board members talking to them. The interviews are precious pictures, there's copies of letters, all kinds of things up there. So I encourage people to do that. You know, my email address is up there, brett2ts at whitescholarshipfoundation.org. When you have questions, just send me an email, happy to reply to you. But yeah, please go to the website and check us out. And if you want to help us at all, any amount of money is very much appreciated. In closing, I'd like to invite you to go to whitescholarshipfoundation.org and see what Brett is doing. And if you have a way that you'd like to help others, go ahead and do that. You can start something new like Brett did, or you can see the good work that other people are doing and contribute to what they're doing as well. Thanks for listening to Transformative Principle. For more information in the show notes, go to jethrojones.com slash podcast slash episode 409.